someone is on the outside, the more hurt and broken they are on the inside. And that's one thing. So when these kids are lash and adults are lashing out at other people, people that feel good about themselves have no need to lash out. People who feel confident and feel heard have no reason to lash out. It's only the people that need are desperate for something. And the people that are soaking that in and believing it is because there's nothing around them that is opposing that belief, right? They're, they're sponges to that and they're soaking that in because there's nothing, they're not, there's not anything around them that is teaching them how to protect themselves from that and give them different beliefs that can counter that. to Dads and Deadlifts podcast with me, your host, Rish. This podcast is to raise awareness around the social stigma of the word man up. Research has shown men are less likely to seek help for trauma, abuse, neglect, addictions, and mental illness because they will be perceived as weak. Research had directly or indirectly linked these problems to the social and cultural perceptions of the word man up. It's time to start a conversation and redefine this word man up. Each week, you will be hearing from men and women all around the world who survived emotional abuse, physical abuse, domestic violence, and addictions, and how they came out on the other side with triumph to begin a new chapter. You will also hear from experts and coaches all around the globe on matters like brain health, psychology of men and women, holistic healing, fitness, and last but not least, what it takes to be a man, overcoming the social stigma and expectations, and tap into your individual unique authenticity and vulnerability. Thank you for joining me in this mission to serve men around the world and letting them know they are not alone in this. What's up, dads and deadlifts people? This is Rish Mitra, your host, and bringing you another episode of Dads and Deadlifts podcast. My today's guest is Dr. Cameron Caswell. Let's hear from her, and you will get here, rather, uh, about what she does, and we will take you guys on a journey of a little bit deeper dive into medical side and therapy side and coaching side, as we normally do in other episodes with teens and boys and what Dr. Cameron is seeing in her practice. So let's welcome Dr. Cameron. Dr. Cameron, welcome to Dads and Deadlifts. Thank you, Rich. I'm excited to be here. Yes, yes, me too, me too. I know like we were kind of going back and forth and um, finally worked out today. So (laughs) I'm excited, I'm excited. So let's start off with, uh, let's start with like, you know, a little bit of introduction, like what you do. And I like to have the guests um, introduce themselves. It's always better that way. Okay, sure. So I'm Dr. Cameron Caswell, or Dr. Cam is what I go with with, uh, my clients. And my focus is working with teens and parents and helping them to build a better relationship through understanding and through compassion and communication. And I... The teen years are really near and dear to me. Um, It goes back to when I was a teen and I struggled a lot. 
and was insecure and felt like I was constantly fighting with my mom and you feel like you're misunderstood and there's nowhere to go. And I was, even in the midst of all that, I was a peer counselor because I had this calling even as a young age. And so I remember my first client coming in and it was one of the girls in our school who terrified me. She was, you know, this bigger, taller girl with always had a scowl on her face, looked like she was going to beat you up if you said the wrong thing. And she walks in and I'm shaking in my boots going, oh my gosh, if I say the wrong thing, she's going to kill me. Right. And then I just took a deep breath and I did what they taught us, which was just the listening and the empathy, which is what I teach parents now. And what I realized was that in the inside, what she was feeling was so similar to me. And here we were on the outside, completely different, completely different backgrounds, completely different personalities, everything about us. And yet in the inside, we both felt equally misunderstood. And I kind of took that with me for a long time. And I, when I went back to get my PhD in psychology, I started teaching an adolescent psychology class, my favorite class to teach. And I had a lot of parents in my class who were students. And they start coming up to me and saying, Dr. Cam, what we're learning in your class is completely changing our relationship with our own kids because we get them now. We understand them. And I had this epiphany, teens act out because they feel misunderstood and teens feel misunderstood because they are completely misunderstood. And ever since then, I have been on a mission to get this information into the hands of parents because they're the ones that can use this the most. And when we understand what's going on with our teens, it changes the way we perceive them, the way we interact with them, the way that we coach them and help them, and it changes our relationship with them completely. Wow, I mean that's that's some powerful uh, history right there and the story. I mean, so you you always had been um, involved with this uh, even mm-hmm. even in your uh, you know younger years, mm-hmm. and as a peer counselor, as you mentioned. And is there something that you felt that what you saw when you were a peer counselor versus what you're doing now? Of course, there's that shift in culture mm-hmm. from our parents' generation, from our grandparents' generation to now. Uh, is there a shift you're seeing that that's happening or is are there still a lot of work to do? So there's some shifts. I think we know a lot more than we did back then. Um, at least we have access to more information. We don't necessarily know it. I think we still, we learn to parent the way our parents parented, as they parented, as they parented. And there's a lot of things we now know that don't work. And what ends up is you do this pendulum swing and you see it, you know, generation by generation, they're really strict, then they're really, you know, like free range and completely permissive. And I'm trying to get them down the middle road. Like they need, we know now how to interact with teens. We know about their brain development, which has only been known in the past decade or so, and how 
how adolescence impacts them. We know now that our brain grows at an extraordinary rate during adolescence. It's the only other, the only other time our brain grows as fast is when we're infants and our brain is growing in size. When we're adolescents, it starts to grow in density and this is creating all of those connections. And so we're learning things like problem solving and emotional regulation and critical thinking. And those connections are creating, being created, but we're also learning how we view the world and how we view ourselves. And when we get a lot of negative feedback, which we often do as teens, because I'm a parent of a teen, I get it. Like you want to make sure they're following the straight and narrow and they're making good choices. And we get in these ruts of, of, fixing and criticizing and judging and we don't realize it and we send these messages to our kids that they're broken that there's something wrong with them and we don't give them a voice and what I have noticed that is the same from when I was a teen and probably way before that to what is now is one of the biggest issues teens have is that they don't feel like they have a voice and they're mis they definitely are misunderstood and they're not heard and that's also, as you said, comes from the fact that as parents, if we don't educate ourselves, we are already bringing the teachings and lessons and learnings uh, from our past, from our parents, our grandparents, mm -hmm. our environment that we were raised in and kind of like dumping it on our next generation, our kids, right? We do. We bring, it's interesting. One of the things that I focus on a lot too is just our preconceived notions of what adolescence is actually influences and it, it impacts how we interact with our own teenagers. And so we have these memories from our teenage years that are colored in our emotions. And so there, there's a lot of negative emotions, right? And there's a lot of negative things that we remember. And then we look at the media who likes to play up all of these stereotypes of what adolescence is. And so I, I talk to parents who are new parents and they're already freaking out and worried about when their kids become teens. They're like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be terrible. Well, yeah, if you're expecting it to be terrible, guess what, it's gonna be terrible. It is because your expectation, you're looking for evidence to support the fact that your teen is out of control and your teen is doing all this. And rather than saying, let me understand if every single teen does this, is there a reason for it? Is there a need for this behavior? There actually is a need for that behavior. So how do I interact with that behavior in a more effective way rather than constantly being in conflict with them, which is what we end up doing. We want them to be obedient. We want them to do as we say. And then when they push back, we get bad. Wow. So before I uh, digress, I do have to ask, like, that's very interesting. So when you said it's a need of that age, what do you mean by that? Adolescence is the time where we're transforming into an adult. And so their brain is set, the way their brain is wired right now is it's, it's growing more, it's more mature in the emotion center. So they, their impulses, their emotions, their fearlessness is all at it, is at all time high. And the part of our brain as adults that step in and say, whoa, wait a second, like, let's think about this. That's the prefrontal cortex. That's not developed yet. 
And there's a reason for this. Teens actually need to be more fearless. They need to take risks because they're going out into the world. They're discovering who they are. And if you talk to teens, they are some of the most passionate people in the world. They want to change the world. And as we get older, we kind of kill that in them. We're like, be practical. Well, if we were all practical, we wouldn't be on the moon, right? So let them dream. And, and I love talking to teens and just dreaming with them of what they want to do in the world. It's amazing. There's two, two things. And I really love what you said. Like, I'm a big believer in like a visualize and manifest. Like if, if people keep talking about like, you know, you get what you focus on and you keep talking about like, and when my son was born, he's three. And a lot of people were like, oh, enjoy this time by the time they're nine and 10 or 11. And I literally am... I, of course, no one's going to believe me until it happens, but I'm like, no, uh, trust me, Rihan will not be that. He's like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I told that too. I'm like, well, saying and doing are two different things. You probably said it just to have the ego right, but I'm not saying. I'm basically, I already know this, and I'm going to have it more strategized in a fact that my son will be a lot more independent from now on, even his thought process. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm educating myself because of that right? Talking to people like you and like mm -hmm. doing the podcast and researching and learning and really being in the space with the kids. And so that's absolutely, I, I love that. And I believe in it in every areas mm -hmm. of life. And it happens, it, it absolutely going to happen with my kid. And I know for a fact, if parents believe it, they can make it happen. Because the moment you believe it, you're going to start taking actions towards that belief, right? Exactly. And Not you start even... looking for the positives. And right. that's one thing I tell parents all the time. Stop just looking at the negatives. Stop focusing so much on what they do wrong. And you know what? They do more right. Start focusing on the right. Start right. recognizing that. And guess what? They end up doing more of the right and less of the wrong. If you're focused on the wrong, they end up doing more of the wrong. So right. we need to change that. And then, and then the, also the fact is like, you know, uh, I, I kind of was uh, doing my own uh, recording the other day and I was like, right and wrong are so uh, based on perceptions, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's right to me uh, might not be right for my son when he grows up and he might, I'm an engineer by profession and um, I like to, you know, do CrossFit and all that. He might be completely different. He might be like, that's not, I don't feel like it. All right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to go and play music. I'm going to be a musician. Okay. So then there's other perceptions. So I think like, that's also, we have to give that independence to them. And I love what you said. Like, you know, again, if you want to look for negative things, you will get more negatives. Mm -hmm. It's just in every area, not just with teens, with every areas of life. Yeah. And secondly, what I really like what you said, like, and now I understand what you meant. That's the need of the hour, the adolescents, because you mm -hmm. need to take that risk to understand and develop like, because I'm a fascinated with, my, with our body. I'm a huge, like, you know, I have a huge respect for how our body is created. Mm -hmm. Like it has everything that we need. And, and amazingly, what you said, like, you know, you, you take that risk and then there are some risks you understand like a little too much. And that kind of kicks in and you not you learn because mm -hmm. if you don't experience darkness, I, I keep saying this all the time, how would you really appreciate the light? Exactly. Right? If exactly. all the time parents are engaging is like, oh, don't do this, don't do this. Then by the time you go there, you're like, um, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Hello, mom. I don't know. Hello, dad. <laughs> Teens here know and don't do that and stop that more than anything else. And I teach parents how to use the yes 
and saying yes more. And it's not a just let them do anything, but it's a absolutely you can do that as soon as this is done. Right. So we're not saying, no, you can't do that because your homework's not done. You say, absolutely, you can go play it out with your friends as well when COVID was not here. But absolutely, you can go do that as soon as your homework's done. Can't wait for you to do that. And all of a sudden, it becomes their choice. Right. And they're hearing yes more. And yes is motivating. No, right. no is defeating. Yeah. So, you know, changing that attitude um, with your teens and they'll start having that more positive attitude. The other thing, um, you know, parents are always complaining, well, my team won't help out around the house. They won't do chores. Well, we make chores a punishment. We make yes. it this really negative thing and we're always on them. And if they don't do it right, you know, I talked to one mom, she's like, I finally got her to clean her bathroom. And I went in and there was this big spot on the floor. And I just go, what is that? And I go, she's never going to clean her bathroom again. She was so excited to show you. And you focus on the one negative. Why would, why are you doing that? When we make chores about helping out, about being grateful for them doing it, about showing how they are part of the family. You know, my, and I, you know, I'm showing off right now, but my daughter takes out the garbage without me asking. She does the dishes. It's not a chore as much as she's part of the house. And I'm always like, thank you. Thank you for doing that. You saved me doing that. I recognize it. She doesn't do it exactly the way I do, would do it. Am I saying anything? No, she took it out. <laughs> right? It's it's the it's the gesture, right? A lot of that is so so much gesture because I know so many people and through this podcast and then talking to it, and they they are they turn out to be uh, uh they're good human beings, but they're very specific. Um they're very self-conscious, uh, they have very low self-esteem mm -hmm. and Otherwise, you wouldn't know until you hang out with them. And then when you really have a one-on-one -on -one talk with them, they're like, you know, my dad was just a specific way to you open a cereal box. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. Otherwise, I'll, I, I was judged. Yeah. Uh, my mom had this specific way of like no wires. So she would do certain way. And if I don't didn't do certain way, I would be judged. Yeah. I'm like, wow. And these are the things that, again, we are bringing that and trying to helicopter parent. That's what I'm assuming that's the term came from, right? Yes. Like yeah. They're trying to really... So that brings me to a question. And you used a very, very specific word. And I love that is um, part of the family. What let's kind of talk about from the parents perspective, because I understand that teens are going through adolescence. Mm -hmm. What can we do as parents and what are the specific simple steps you tell your clients or you tell your, uh, like whoever comes to you for coaching uh, that they can take as parents or as, a, as adults that I have to be careful what I'm doing. Yeah. Make them part of it than alienate. Right. So one thing to think of, and you were talking about, you know, this, how we have these, we're insecure and we have these things. Well, think about, you know, we call it the inner critic, you know, this voice is tearing us apart. A lot of people, surprisingly, their inner critic sounds a lot like one of their parents. Why is that? Because that's who started those judgments. Those are the things that we believe in. We're, so we're saying that when our brains are being wired. And so there are strong connections in our beliefs. That's why it's so difficult to get beyond those. So as parents, 
be very aware of the messages you're sending your kids because they believe it a hundred percent. And do you want to wire them to believe that they can accomplish things? Or do you want to believe to wire them to believe that they're always going to fail and that they're always going to get in trouble? Because when we're pointing out their where they failed and we're pointing out their inadequacies all the time, that's all they're getting wired and all they know, and they're going to believe it. Um, one of the things in terms of being part of the family, even at younger ages, even at your son's age, right? It's giving everyone a voice. And I know it's really hard. And I know a lot of our parents raised us where you got the parents, they say what goes, the kids are there to listen. The problem with this is there, there creates this first, this conflict, because especially teens want to start establishing their own independence, their own autonomy. Who am I separate from you? Which is why no matter what you say, they're going to oppose it because they need to, they need to be separate. Um, so if we start giving them a voice and listening, when we make a big decision, we ask them, how, what do you think about this? What are your thoughts? Does it mean that we don't have the final say, but we can take their feelings into consideration. When we get their buy-in, here's the other trick. When we get their buy-in into something because they were part of the decision, there's no conflict because it was their choice to do it. And mm -hmm. so what are they gonna argue? So all of a sudden we've removed this big piece. Plus they have some great ideas because they're not, their thoughts aren't constrained in these boxes that we create based on experience and reality, which is why they can think outside you know, think of different, I hate saying outside the box because it's so inside the box. But anyway, you know, they think of these great ideas, but when they feel heard, when they feel validated, they're far more willing to talk and to share and to participate. They don't want to get in trouble any more than we want them to get in trouble. Why would they? They just don't know how to avoid it. Mm -hmm. It's amazing you said that because that's so important. Like, um, and I, I'm I kind of train dogs and all that. I I mean, like just for hobby, and we talk about positive reinforcement and rewarding. And same applies for every relationship yeah. of our lives. And when it comes to the kids, and you talk about buy-in, right? And I was listening to this video the other day, uh, was talking about very beautiful way, just to, the similar way you just portrayed with the kids and teens. They were talking about like you cannot the just go to your partner and say, I want to do this, right? When you're together as a partner, you sit down and you actually talk it out. What's mm -hmm. best for the family? Mm -hmm. Why do we forget when it comes to kids? Well, Rish, this is what's really funny is a lot of the methods I use, I actually pull from leadership books, management books, things like this. And so we get these parents that, are in an executive position, managing all these people. They do a great job at that. They come home and they're terrible leaders. They don't, it's... they like try to, they think their kids defy human nature and they don't. And so when we just take some of these basic skills that you use to be a good leader and apply them with your teens, they work amazingly well because your teens are human beings just like your employees are. And that's, I think that's also a part of, it's a completely different discussion because I, I'm 
big proponent of that. Like, yes, we take our profession seriously because that's our livelihood. That's how we get money, right? We get an instant gratification, boom, and that's our livelihood. I need to see that I, I'm getting paid to do my job. So of course I'm gonna keep up with it. But the fact is it's it's our when it comes to our family, yes, we are our family is everything, our personal life, without our personal life, like it's gone. The fulfillment. And when it comes down to take that learning and implement that to have a nice balanced, well-rounded, we are forgetting it because there's not instant gratification because we are also surrounded by people, right? Yeah. And one thing I do want to bring up is, um, and I want to talk to you about this, and this this phrase, even my mom used it. And I, the other, like we, we have a good conversation. My mom is 78, she's in India. And how many times have we heard this? Oh, hold on. You are not listening to me one day. Your kids will not listen to you. Right. <laughs> and then when we have kids, you're like, ah, oh, my parents were right. No. Yes, they were right from their perspective that you're not listening. But also as parents, I think we should stop saying that because now we are actually, we just gave them and it stick with their brain. <laughs> well, like, and oh. here's the thing too. They learn to listen to us when we listen to them and parents, I'm sorry to say, are horrible at listening to their kids. They yes. just don't do it. And they think, oh, you know, they'll kind of halfway listen or they'll listen with judgment or they'll be like, that's the silliest thing. Or they'll, you know, the kids are upset and they're like, oh, why are you upset with that? Or toughen up or whatever, instead of validating and saying, oh my gosh, Wow, that's hard. And thinking back when I was a teen, I will tell you what, I spent hours crying over my hair because it drove me nuts. So I'm not going to make fun of my daughter for doing that, right? Because right. when you're a teen, that's a big deal. So remember that. And, it, you know, listen. That's such a big, and it's it sounds simple, but it's such a big thing for adults to do because there's so many other areas of life we are focusing on, especially with COVID times. Oh, I got to make sure my job is there. I got to do this. I got to do that. And when kids start speaking, we're like, hold on a minute. I'm on call and do this and that. Right. So that's, yeah. so how give some pointers, like how normally you navigate or uh, you tell people to take some few quick, simple steps that they can be present in the moment. And when their kids talking and say, for example, let's just make up a quick example, which happens probably everywhere. I mean, it happened to me now, nowadays, like, um, and I actually was doing a live the other day. And I explained that before I would be like, okay, and my son's name is Rihan. Here you go. Here's the Amazon uh, tablet. And he's, he's going to turn three in two weeks, but he uh, uses this pepper the pig and make cake and all that. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, go in the other room. I'm, fi I'm finishing up the conference call in China. And every Thursday I have a conference call with China. Last three weeks, I kind of realized like what I'm doing is really not what I preach. So what I did is like last Thursday, he got up, I, I go to the living room and he woke up at 7.45 and my meeting started at 7.30 and I saw him and I was like, oops, right? And that's just a normal reaction. Mm -hmm. But instead of telling him to go use his tablet, I actually brought him. Surprisingly amazing that he ended up sitting there. He was talking initially, but I'm like, okay, let's try this and see how it goes. So I'm like, Okay, Rehan, um, I'm talking. So when someone's talking, we listen. And he was listening. He was quiet. Mm -hmm. And then he saw all these 3D models on my screen of engineering. So he was asking red, all these colors. 
that one hour meeting and I suddenly looked at him. He was like, really after five, 10 minutes, he was just like looking at it. And he was like, and whenever I'm muting, letting other people talk, he was like, so this is this. And I'm like, wow, it just took so that cool. simple steps. Uh, but again, as I said, like our initial reaction is, uh, I'll be, so what else can we do apart from being present in terms of uh, if we are in a situation like that where our uh, kids want to talk to us and we are dealing with a major life crisis, right? Like, and which is unavoidable mm -hmm. at this point, let's be honest. So what, what would you say? Like, how can we kind of bring us back in or should we involve them in our life crisis? Well, there's a couple points that I want to bring up, Rish, because that, that covered a lot of things. I think the first one is if your kids want to talk to you, do everything possible to prioritize that. I mean, if they want to make sure they always know that they're your priority. And, I, you know, what you do with your time shows what you prioritize. So if you're not spending enough time with your kids, they know that they're not a priority. When you're in a situation where you cannot, and I know, I mean, especially now we're all home, we're working online, you know, my daughter will come in and want to talk. And I, I now have this that I have, I'm like a welcome, please enter that I hang just on my computer. Like she knows when I can talk or not talk. Um, but if I'm really not, it's just a, you know, hold on. I want to hear this. Wait till I want to wait till I can give you my attention. Here's the trick. Make sure you go find them and give them your attention. Because if they know you're going to find them and you've done this repeatedly, they're fine with it. If you end up blowing it off and never going back, forgetting, they're not going to believe you. They're not going to leave you alone because they're going to be like, I don't trust you. And a lot of kids don't trust adults because we don't follow through with it, right? So make sure we're following through. The other thing that I hear parents say a lot is, I want a connection with my teen. They want nothing to do with me. No matter what I do, they won't come down and talk to me. They won't hang out. They just are up in their room, door slammed, doing that. And I ask, well, is it fun to hang out with you? <laughs> because chances are, if they're not hanging out with you, it's probably because you wanna do what you wanna do, which is not something they wanna do. It ends up being a teaching lesson, you know, a teaching moment and you're lecturing or telling them stuff or it gets into an argument or it's not fun. So why would they do it? When we meet our teens where they're at, when we go and do what they want to do, we ask them about what they want to do. I always share this story because when my nephew was younger, he was really into, wow, World of Warcraft, right? And now, you know, it's all the other video games that I love. but I'm terrible at them. But I remember having these conversations with him, you know, and he would come down and he was, you know, not to not to stereotype, but a lot of boys, especially with, you know, their aunt, aren't going to be like chatty, right? Ask him about this game, talked for hours, hours. And then can you show me? So my sister and I both, he helped us build avatars and he'd teach us to play. And he would, it just opened up all these conversations because we were interested in what he was doing. Now it's TikTok. Instead of saying TikTok sucks, you know, I have a 14 year old daughter. TikTok's her world. I just did a TikTok dance with her. Very embarrassing. Oh. But I know. <laughs> uh, but 
you know, it's like now we both are on TikTok and we'll share funny TikToks with one another. And it's like, you know, that's a way to communicate with them and to share, I, to really say, I'm interested in you. And they love to be able to teach you stuff. They can teach the adult, their parents something that just, mm, that just builds them up and that builds your connection with them. This is so important because that just brought up something that um, I am actually writing a book called Man Up, but um, as parents, I think as adults, not even as parents, uh, after a certain point, you know, like we just get so consumed with life and we stop learning. We are like, let's go. It's an autopilot mode. I have to raise kids. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I hear this often, right? Just instead of taking a step back and see, okay, what I knew is outdated. Mm -hmm. And now my my kid, I owe that to my kid to meet him exactly what you said, where they at and learn all these new things, right? Yeah. That you, you're saying TikTok and one of my very favorite song, if anyone no one heard it, I'm pretty sure everyone heard it, Will Smith, uh, just the two of us. I just play it all the time and it makes me uh, emotional. And one of the yeah. things that like 101 Dalmatians, like he had to learn all this, right? Because mm-hmm. that's, that's exactly what it what it means like as adults we are forgetting that for our professions and all that because we are pressured we are learning all this but also the kid at home they're missing out because we are not actually sharing and learning about their world and here's the other thing is that you know parents spend a lot of time putting you know putting down social media and gaming and all of these things and i understand we don't want to be addicted as adults are addicted though. So first of all, if you want your kids to stop spending time on your phone, guess who has to do it first? You've got to do it first, right? Can't expect them not to do it and you won't. The other thing is when we ask them and learn, like it's scary to us. We don't know what all of these things are, right? We, we This is not the way we grew up in this type of world. And so a lot of these things sound really scary and we just want them to not do it and block it and do all this rather than having them teach us getting and understanding it and then helping them learn how to use it safely because when we just block them from it and we put it down and we just say that's don't waste your time on that now we've just made it far more desirable than it ever was because we don't want them to do it. We're teaching them how to get around the rules. And now we're not able to be there to make sure they're doing something safely. So they will, whatever, whatever we put on to protect them, to stop them from getting on, they will find a way. They do. They're far smarter than we are. Um, but now they're sneaking behind our back, which means we don't know what they're doing. And they're... This is a fantastic point you brought up because that's exactly where I was going, uh, especially with teens and boys and men and even girls at this point. And uh, for our conversation, we'll keep it to overall because this is, I feel like, even though I, all, I, I talk about boys and men, but with your conversation, I feel like this is very important just at addressing the overall gender, not just gender, overall mm-hmm. demographics of teens is uh, this bullying, cyberbullying. It's so prevalent because it's everyone can type anything, right? Even adults yeah. do it. Yes. And and the fact that you mentioned that if you do not learn their world, and we are all compl- complacent, like it's not going to happen to me unless it happens to us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Suicide, uh, depression, drugs, right? You know, all that thing. And I guess I I think like as parents, we all 
we still don't have an answer if it happens it always but then as you said at least we can be proactive in being part of their world as you said and then have yeah. that safe space for them rich i'm gonna make a bold statement here because not everyone likes or agrees with me on this but you know a lot of people will turn to social media it was music before it was something else to blame this depression and suicide and issue and violence and things in our kids. I do not believe that is the cause. I believe they turn to that when they're in that place. And those are the things that, you know, feed it. But if we have this understanding and this relationship with them where we can teach them how to use it appropriately and we have an open conversation and relationship with them and they don't have to turn to this, I'm not going to say every case, but I'm saying that that's the reason is underlying that. It's not, oh, get off of social media and you'll be mentally healthy. That is not true. No. And I, I actually agree with it because I love it how you brought it up because it's a completely uh, different way of looking at it. And I completely agree. And I'm glad you brought it up because what seems to be the final, um, like what we can see, visualize, we always tend to blame that but we never take a step back and actually look at it like what caused that. Mm -hmm. Even the kid who is bullying on cyber uh, social media. Why? Is, there's a reason he's bullying, right. taking Why on others. Exactly right. Exactly because right. he's either not getting that attention. He's been shown that you have to earn love or you have to do this. So now he's like, okay. So he goes back, lock his room. And now he goes and attack the mm -hmm the kid that who doesn't have that much of a voice in school or whatnot, right? The I absolutely uglier, love you brought it up. The uglier and meaner someone is on the outside, the more hurt and broken they are on the inside. And that's one thing. So when these kids are lash and adults are lashing out at other people, people that feel good about themselves have no need to lash out. People who feel confident and feel heard have no reason to lash out. It's only the people that need, are desperate for something. And the people that are soaking that in and believing it is because there's nothing around them that is opposing that belief, right? They're, they're sponges to that and they're soaking that in because there's nothing, they're not, there's not anything around them that is teaching them how to protect themselves from that and give them different beliefs that can counter that. So then, um, and I told you I'll keep it to 45 minutes for your time. I know you have I can talk schedule. for hours on this. I know, it looks, <laughs> and as I told you, I'm going to bring you, definitely I'm going to bring you uh, for another episode because uh, the other day when I talked to you, I'm like, there's so much to talk about it. Uh, here's a question. We are in a society, we are at a point where, yes, you are trying and you are helping people. There's so many people and, you know, like there are areas that we all are trying and have our mission uh, to help hoping next generation and creating awareness. So it's coming, it's working. What, how can a parent who is helpless that their kids are a bully in school and they understand that they have made a mistake and it's, it's not that they are not fun anymore. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it now, their kids are gone too far mm -hmm. and they're seeing, oh, my, I could see it. My kid is behaving this way. Mm -hmm. How can they start 
taking some steps to see if they can connect and that kid can, they can turn that kid around? There, first of all, being able to recognize that and say, okay, I want to change this and being clear on what it is you want to change and where you want to go. And I kind of walk people, I, I have this prime parenting process that really kind of does that. And it, the first thing is really looking at like, what is the overarching problem? What is the issue that this behavior that they've gone too far? Because a lot of times we'll say, oh, well, you know, they're disrespectful or they're a bad kid or they get into trouble. Well, that's so vague. What exactly are they doing? How are they showing disrespect? How are they acting out? What is that? What is the key problem that you want to address? And I think when we narrow that down, now we can actually start addressing it. The other thing is we only want to do one thing at a time because what happens is we go, oh my gosh, my kid does this and they do this and they do this and they do this and we try to fix it all. And your kid now feels like they can do zero right. And I, have, I can't tell you how many times kids have, say, kids have told me, I just don't care anymore. Why even bother? right? Because they just feel like they're going to get in trouble. So we want to focus on one thing. Then as we hinted at before, the R of prime is the reason. Why are they doing it? There is always a reason behind the behavior. And it's not because they're jerks or that they're trying to upset you. There's a reason under that. What is it? Is it developmental? Is it because of your relationship? Has some trauma happened? What's going on? Because you need to address that. Then it's the I is the intention. What do you want? What actually do you want the relationship to look like? How do you want to interact with them? What do you want your child to be doing instead? Because if we just take away behavior, if we just say stop doing that and don't give them something else to do that's healthy instead, we've left them with nothing. They're either going to revert back to that behavior or they're going to find another way, which is probably worse than the behavior we were trying to get to stop in the first place, right? So what do we want out of this? And then the M is our mindset. I know you're going to love this. We need to change your mindset from our kid is a jerk and broken to my child has a behavior or a habit that needs that I can help him break. I want to help him break that. Your mm -hmm. child's not broken. Your relationship may be broken. They may have a very bad way of handling a certain situation that they need a new way. But when we change it to this is what they're doing that we want to look at rather than you are bad, you are broken. It's how we look at it. It changes how we address it because now we're just focused on fixing this thing not them. And then the final one is then we empower them. And I use the word empower very intentionally because it's not telling them what to do. It's giving them the tools and teaching them the tools to learn how to do it themselves. Because ultimately our goal is to have our kids out in the world able to make good choices on their own. And we can't just kick them out having never given them the opportunity to practice making choices, to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. If we don't let them do it in our home, they're not gonna be able to do it outside in the, in the big wild world, right? And we want them to be able to do that. Wow, wow. I, I just love the way you broke it down. I mean, that's just like power packed. And Honestly, I mean, this is amazing. And I definitely want to stop right here because I want to have this powerful moment 
you know, in this podcast episode, whoever is listening, I do want to end with one request and one thing mm-hmm. for you. In my every episode, I ask my guests uh, one of the messages, uh, what message they want to leave. And uh, of course, I've, I'm, I'm always raising awareness to the parents, but with your expertise, what message you want to send to all the teens, all the kids that are feeling lost, that are feeling that I'm not heard, I'm not understood, I am just completely miserable and no one is there. Of course, there are helps and all that, but what would be your message be to them? My message that I tell teens all the time is that A, you're not alone. Every teenager is going through these questions of self-doubt, right? We're so focused on what people think of us, but what's really happening is everyone else is focused on themselves too, not on, on, not on you. But the other thing is, that every single one of us is created perfectly to be ourselves, to be our unique selves. And we were all put here for a very specific purpose that only we have been created to do. And so the things that you sometimes beat yourself up about or the things you don't like about, I often find that those are our actual superpowers. Those are actually the very things that make us special and exceptional and be able to do this. My example for me, to this day, I get teased because I am loud. I am a loud person. I talk loud, but you know what? My job now is to go out and share my message with people and I need to be loud so they hear me. It's now my superpower. So turn those things that you think are your weakness into your strength and you'll be amazed at what you can do. Amazing. And I, I do want to add this because the message and story and mission you're sharing and you're spreading and you're trying to change this world with your ideas of prime parenting and all that. I think you need to have a louder voice because, you know, as we say, like louder for the people in the back. And I feel like we are very, very, very slow in this field as of now, even even in 2020. We are. And we need we to raise awareness. We still need to raise a lot of awareness, not just in about this not just about the changing behavior in teens and kids but also changing our mindset and how we as you said exactly your word how we can meet at their and what they are what they are Mm -hmm. so yeah dr cam thank you so much thank you for sharing your time on the mic with me and i really appreciate for serving my audience as listeners this had been a wonderful experience. And of course, I'm going to, I will tell you that I, I'm definitely bringing you back and we will talk a little bit more on concentrating on men and boys and what you're seeing in today's world. But as of now, thank you again for a wonderful episode. This is the end of this episode. And hopefully you did learn a lot of nuggets that Dr. Cam shared. I will have Dr. Cam's website, her social media information on the show notes so that you guys can reach out to her and continue the conversation in much more deeper level if you guys are facing a problem. And I'm pretty sure every one of us right now needs this, especially in today's time. So thank you again for listening. Please, if you like it, go ahead and subscribe, share, DM me if you're feeling lonely. And as I said, always like you are not alone and reach out. It's always better tomorrow. Thank you again for listening to Dads and Deadlifts podcast. I will see you on another episode. Your host, Rish, signing off. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Dads and Deadlifts. And I hope you are as excited as I am learning from our guest today on the specific topic. Please subscribe, share, and leave a comment and tag Dads and Deadlifts on Instagram and Facebook with your experience of today's episode. Because remember, your one share might save someone from feeling alone and provide them the tools they can incorporate in their daily lives. Let's each of us do our part in helping men around the world. You can personally message me on my Facebook page or Instagram page, Dads and Deadlifts, if you want your story to be shared on the podcast or if you just feel alone and want someone to reach out to. Always remember, you are not alone. All you got to do is reach out. And I am rooting for you. Until next week, your host Rish signing off. I will see you next week with another brand new episode.